Goodhart alongside Cameron Klein. Still separated as Cameron still recuperates from the dreaded COVID. This time not as much of a distance as on back to Benetton. Cameron is over in Newtown. Cameron, how are you feeling today? I'm good, dude. I feel fine. Um, yeah, it's my, my fiance's last day of quarantine. So we're just, you know, trying to make everything safe and everything. But hey, tomorrow we're back in the wild. So, you know, it's cool. But yeah, feeling good, dude. Feeling good. I mean, I mm, mm, I, I could be feeling better, right? <laughs> when we last spoke, when we last spoke, uh, there were some <laughs> things that were going on. The Sixers had a 3-0 series lead against yeah. the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Uh, that they don't know they no longer have a 3-0 series lead, and they did not wrap up the series. Uh, game no. six is in a couple hours. And it's a it's a jam packed sports night if you're a Philly uh, sports fan. The Phillies already played today. They beat the Rockies. They completed the four game sweep. And now we'll find out uh, tonight if the Sixers can wrap up their series with the Raptors. And also, you know, you're not an Eagles fan, so that, but it is still a Dolphins night as well. The NFL draft is tonight as Miami gets ready to uh, make their selections. Cameron, I'm not gonna lie to you. Before we get into you know, talk about well, Miami gonna- has Miami has no selections tonight. Oh, they're not in. Oh, that's right. They're not picking in the first yeah. round. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, right. so I'm. I am going to be paying attention, but it's solely for the Eagles. <laughs> so the um, which Eagles I'm actually are- excited about. It's it's kind of cool because it's like it's. I'm not really stressing out too much, but yet I'm still kind of involved as a fan. It's cool. It's actually a nice feeling. Eagles are selecting at uh, 15 and 18. There has been rumors, mm-hmm. however, circling over the last hour that Howie Roseman is doing everything that he can to, to try and trade into the top 10. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. But first, let's yes. start off uh, with a little bit of hockey talk. Yesterday, Cameron and I were texting back and forth. We were just talking about, you know, who, you know, who, who's who's the best player in hockey right now? And I said to him, I was like, you know, we made an argument earlier in the year about Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and you know, yeah. uh, though I didn't anticipate a 60-goal season from Austin Matthews, my argument of who is the more dominant of the two players right now looking pretty darn good right now, Cameron, as Austin Matthews is going to definitely win the you know the, the Rocket Award. Yeah, dude, I mean, he's having, like, it really is crazy the year that he's having, right? Like, it, it just got more and more and more ridiculous, the amount of goals that this kid was scoring, because, like, especially how just fast it happened, right? Oh, yeah. Like. He had if it seemed like he had like forty eight goals like three weeks ago. That's how it felt, and now he's got sixty. Like, dude, it, it's like every other night he's scoring like one or two goals. And what's really what really really tickled my pickle was when he scored his fiftieth goal, right? And everyone gave him a bunch of shit. Yeah, it was an empty netter, and they're all like, "Oh, you know, he's fucking whatever." And then what? He scored like four goals the next game, and he just shut everybody the fuck up. It yeah, was because awesome. people were looking for a reason to to hate on this guy because you know, anytime that a, a great what? player rises to the occasion to prove that he's a great player, you got to try and knock them down a few uh, uh, chain links. But with Austin Matthews, he has been without a doubt the best goal scorer of the season, and he finally puts together kind of like his magnum opus season so far in his career with mm-hmm. a nice 60 goal uh season for toronto toronto's looking great they're going to be probably the second seed in their respective division obviously no one's catching the florida panthers at this point who, have, who are like 16 or 17 and 2 since the claude Giroux trade but other than austin matthews there have been obviously some just just great seasons you know steven stamkos cameron has oh, quietly yeah. put together a 100 point season which is like steven stamkos is quietly had 100 points this season. A lot of guys are quietly scoring a shitload of points. Jonathan Huberdo, 115. Mm-hmm. Who's talking about him? Nobody. Johnny Gaudreau, like another one. People are saying, like, oh, he's, you know, he's Johnny Gaudreau, but, like, 113 points this season. 113. Dude, it's, cr- it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it's bonkers. And then Connor McDavid, 
44 goals, 78 assists, 122 points in 79 games played. Connor McDavid is, I mean, he's a marvel. There's just no other way to put it. He's a marvel. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love the guy. It's going to be really interesting to see who gets the heart because I can't remember the last time we saw a fully played season where mm-hmm. you had more than six guys with over 100 points. I just can't remember the last time we saw this. Yeah, we have eight. I just counted eight that have over 100 eight. points. Eight. I don't a- know either, dude. I mean, it has to be like... It's been years. What, a- 2010? Like before 2010? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, just going down the list now, you know, you look at the last full regular season played, which was 2018-2019, there were a total of six that had 100-plus points. Kucherov, McDavid, okay. Kane, Drysaddle, Crosby, and Marshawn. And then before that, you'd have, you know, if you go back the previous year, uh, there was just three. It was Giroux, Hall, and uh, Kucherov as well. The year before that, one player, Connor McDavid, had 100 points even. The next closest guy was yeah. Crosby at 89 points. Yeah, Bef- there was like a part, like a point, like the, from two, 2010 to 2015, where like no one was cracking 100. No, or like, maybe one or two guys a season, if that. It, it's been. But. This is definitely like the highest scoring season. I mean, you really do have to go back a long ways. And as a matter of fact, 2010, we had four hundred point guys, and this is you know this is how you know you're reaching back into the you know back into the days. Uh, your top five scores were Henrik Sedin with 112 points, wow. Alex Ovechkin with 109 points, Sidney Crosby with 109 points. Nicholas Backstrom with 101 points, and then Steven Stamkos at 95 points. Man, Henrik Sedin, 29 goals, 83 assists that year. Goodness Dude, the gracious. The Sedin brothers terrorized this league for – it was quiet, too. It was another, like, quiet terrorization. That they oh. just were both in the same team, and they just were scoring – they were point-per-game players. Henrik the was the passer, Daniel was the scorer. <laughs> But it was cool. It's like every brother's fantasy. You know what I mean? When you like growing up, oh and, my like, god, yeah. sport, it's just you just like, have to dude, get the one. I'm going to be the wide receiver, and my brother's <laughs> going to be the quarterback, and we're going to score <laughs> eighty thousand touchdowns this season. Like, yeah. So cool. it was cool. We look at who, you know who's going to be the Hart Trophy winner, and honestly, it could go to Huberdo, who is my personal pick. He has thirty goals, eighty five assists. Mm-hmm. That's he leads the league in assists. He's been unbelievable. His plus minus is thirty five. Johnny Gaudreau, though, looking pretty good. He's got a plus. Cameron. Johnny Gaudreau's plus minus is sixty three. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. It's sixty three. Yeah, I, I've while, while one hundred thirteen points, almost forty goals. I mean, he's still got two games left, right? Yeah, he's or, got two games he, left. He, he could still get to the forty goal yeah. mark. Yeah, that's nuts, dude. I, I, I'll tell you what. If he gets it, I don't think you'll get any arguments because this has definitely been the best season of his career. Uh, Leon, Leon Dreisaitl, I don't think is a serious contender for it, just because I think a lot of people view Dreisaitl as just you know the Robin to Connor McDavid's Batman. So I don't. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to give somebody the hard trophy when they're not even the best player on their team. It is, and that's no slight to Leon Dreisaitl. It just it just so happens you happen to have Connor McDavid on your team. Now, like now you mentioned yeah. you yesterday you yes. texted me about a name, a, 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 a dark, dark horse. horse, your dark horse player. You yeah. go. With uh, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, I never know how to say that. Kaprizov. Kaprizov. Damn, is it really Kaprizov? I never know how to say yeah. his damn name. Kirill Kaprizov, dude. Kaprizov is the beast of all beasts, in my opinion, this year, dude. Because like, like we just said, right? Connor McDavid, he's got Leon Dreisaitl. Jonathan Huberdeau, 
He's got Alexander Barkov. There's also a new guy wearing number 28 on that team who's playing really, really uh-huh. well now, too. Granted, he didn't have him all year, but my point is there's a lot of talent on that team. Johnny Gaudreau, he's got Matthew Kachuk. Austin Matthews, he has Mitchell Marner. Steven Stamkos, I mean, he has the entire Tampa Bay Lightning. But Kirill Kaprizov, who does he have other than himself? Like, he's the one guy on this list that, to me, absolutely elevated his team. The other guys, like, they did it together. They did it with one or two other players. But Kaprizov, he did it by himself. I mean, Ryan Hartman is on this guy's line, and he has 34 goals this year. It's been Ryan incredible. Hartman. Like, no offense to Ryan Hartman, but, dude, the guy has not scored 20 goals in his entire career in a single season. And he's got 34 the year he lines up at Kaprizov. Dude, this it's, guy's a stud. It's really impressive when you look at how the breakdown is for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, they're, obviously they're going to make the playoffs this season. This is probably one of the best seasons in franchise history from a from a yeah. winning you know and points standpoint. But uh, Kaprizov with 105 points. You have Fiala with 84 points. And then our old friend Matt Zuccarello, he's got 79 points. Ryan Hartman, 63 points. Joel Erickson with 49 points. Frederick Goudreau with 42 points. Marcus Foligno with 41. Do you see where we're, where we're going with this? Yeah, and like he, another like his line mates, like Zuccarello was another one of his line mates. He's never had more than 61 points in a season. This year he's got 79. Yeah, and, you know, Everybody, listen, and these are like 34 year old guys. It's uh-huh. not like they're young guys. This kid, this 23 year old kid, elevated these veteran hockey players to play at elite levels because of him. And, and, and you to look me, at me. The, the definition of the Hart Trophy is the most valuable player to their team. And Kaprizov, in my opinion, is the definition of that this year. Now, what I will say is, you know, when you look at, you know, some other things about this Minnesota team, the one thing that really sticks out to me is just the the, the plus minuses on this team going up and down are just unbelievable. Uh, you have Alex Goligoski, you know, the another veteran name right there. He has a plus minus of 42. This has been a pretty balanced team throughout the year, but uh, Kaprizov, without a doubt, he's playing with – I would most certainly call the least talented group of those, you know, core players we talked about for potential of the hard trophy. Again, just going down the list, if we're going to strictly stick with 100-point players, Steven Stamkos, he's got talent. Matthew Kachuk, he's got talent. Uh, Austin Matthews, we already know about the talent that Toronto has. Leon Dreisaitl, he's got talent. Johnny Gaudreau, he's got talent. Jonathan Huberto, there's plenty of talent down there. And then obviously Connor McDavid, who, as we just mentioned with Drysaddle, there's talent up there. So definitely the least talented team to feature a player in this hundred point list. Yeah, yeah. And again, like we, you and I were texting back and forth, and you know we'll we'll give the audience a sneak peek of our normal text conversations. But we both agreed like he's probably not going to win it. This is the exact like, reason why he's not going to win. It. He does not play <laughs> in a big big time market. Minnesota is not a notable pl- place. He does not have the name uh, a recognition to win it. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. still sixth in points list with 45 goals and 60 assists, which is great. Like it's crazy to think that I'm telling you the 45 goals and 60 assists is not going to be enough to win the MVP trophy. Like that's yeah. what I find to be the craziest thing. Yeah. Um, and then most importantly, like you know, for every reason we just mentioned, he's underrated. No one's talking about him, and that's exactly mm-hmm. why he's not going to get it. And it's also why he should get it. Right. And like again, like the it's it's really annoying because like. The definition of the Hart Trophy, like I just said, is the most valuable player to their team. Yet that never really seems to be actually what wins it. It's never that. It's it's the best player, which again is fine. But then in my opinion, it's like, well, then just say the MVP, man. Like, why are we doing this circus parade of like a definition of most valuable to their team if that's not really what we're going to actually do? Because again, you and I have talked about it a thousand times before, 2018 Giroux, right? 
Yeah. Hands down the most valuable player to his team. He was the reason he, he the Philadelphia Flyers got to the playoffs. He's the reason they played at the level that they did. Taylor Hall, come on. Ridiculous. So, like, yeah. I, it is what it is. It's just like a little pet peeve of mine. But I, I think that Matthews is going to win it, personally. You So you're going with Austin Matthews on this one? Yeah. I think they're going to give it to him. Because like you just said, dude, he's got the name recognition. People are constantly talking about him. I feel like I see his name more than any of these top five players on a normal daily basis, whether it's I, social media, I would media, think it's going to be analysts. tight between. It's going to be a three three person race between him, Gaudreau, and McDavid. If we're going simply by name recognition, mm-hmm. and those three yeah. players have probably been the most talked about in the league this year. My pick is Huberdo of who should get it. Uh, again, eighty five assists. I, I'm a big assist guy, so when I see a play, once I see you're more north of seventy assists, I'm like. You're probably, you know, one of the best players in the league for the season, definitely. Yeah. And uh, he has been, I mean, again, like, what do you say about the guy? The guy plays, you know, about 20 minutes per game, which is actually in this list is only, is the third lowest. I'm sorry, no, not even the third, third lowest. He's like right in the middle of the pack uh, from mm. this, you know, potential list of players. But the other thing that really gets me about him, which I think a lot of people are very quick to, um, kind of look over. Power play goals. He has five. Leon Dreisettle has 24. Yeah. Austin Matthews has 16. Kaprizov with 13. Connor McDavid with 10. Matthew Kachuk with 12. He has five power play goals, so he is scoring the majority of his goals, even strength. But yeah. then you think, okay, what about assists? He's probably getting a lot of his assists. Fifth, or 52 of his assists have come at even strength. So if you do even strength numbers, this guy has 25 goals and 52 assists, which is more than anyone else uh, can say as far as a points total goes. Where everyone else is, you know, a lot of their power, uh, points have come on the power play. Yeah, yeah, and to me, that's that's a big thing too, right? Because like it's just like yeah, you don't you don't have the extra advantage. That means you're just kind of putting in, like it's you know it's easier for a player to be a threat in the power play. Pretty much, absolutely. Just, that's all really it is. So, like, for you to be Unless that you're much a flyer. of a threat, even strength. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, of course. But yeah, if you're that much of a threat, even strength, like that's just it. Just adds to your resume. It's another thing that makes it more impressive. So yeah, I, I would like the top three to be McDavid, Huberdeau, and Austin Matthews. I kind of think they're going to throw it because like McDavid's the top point player, so he's going to be in there, right? He's going to be yep. thrown in the mix. And then Austin Matthews, they keep talking about. And then, in my opinion, they're going to say, well, Huberdo, he's a dark horse, and they always kind of throw in that underdog dark horse guy to kind of mix shit up. Um, and I, I would imagine he's going to be in it, too. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And that's what's so cr- it's like crazy about this season is that out of, like we said, the top six, seven guys, you don't even know who the three finalists are going to be. No. It could be any no. of them. It's it's going to be kind of a tough decision for you know the the awards voters you know when they have to name those three finalists because you know whoever you name is not going to be good enough. There's going to be like oh my god you know oh you left this guy out just goes to show all you guys are is name chasers or if to leave someone who's a name out you'll be like oh my god you guys are just haters. So either way, oodles of fun for people like you and I who don't have a single MVP you know in the realm of possibility. Lots more fun uh, to see all those fans freak out when eventually the finalists are made. We shift things over and a little bit of NBA talk. Cameron and I, as we all know, uh, the NBA experts over here, Cameron and I. But uh, here we are. Like, we're just it's, just, it's just kind of dumbfounding that every Sixers fan, once they lost game four, I think most fans still felt fine. Like, okay, you know what, just wrap it up at home. All right, you know, they're not even going to have Fred Van Fleet, who's like one of their best shooters. It's fine. And as soon as that game started and we were down, I don't know, like pretty early, it was like, you know, like 14 to 6 or whatever, 
I'm like, if they don't like go on an incredible run here in the second quarter, like they have in games one and two, they're uh, they're gonna lose this game big time. And sure enough, not only did they not go on a good enough run in the second quarter, they let the Raptors go on a 14 nothing run in that second quarter to essentially put the game out of reach before eventually the Sixers end up losing by like 20, almost 20 points. And you're just sitting there going, they're doing it. They they they, they saw what they did last year against the Hawks. And you're like, okay, we blew an 18-point lead in game four. We blew a 26-point lead in game five. How can we do better this time? What could we blow that's even crazier than those two games? Oh, I got it. Let's blow a 3-0 series lead because Doc Rivers, despite what he'll tell you, is the master of choking series away. That has never not been the case. He has did it with the Clippers. He did it with the Celtics. He will do it with the Sixers, and he's doing it right now. If they lose tonight, Cameron, they will not win Game 7. But yeah, yeah, no, dude, like, I don't know, man. I, I was, like, defending Doc kind of here and there when people were, like, talking shit, saying, because there was a whole interview where he was just like, would you say that to Greg Popovich? You know, that whole thing. And I was just kind of like, you know, I, I get it. There's a lot of people, you know, hating on him. And, like, he's he's a professional coach, man. Let him do what he's got to do. But no, dude, like, you're absolutely right, right? I mean, what he's, yeah, he's won the he's won a championship, but with what, the like, that super team from the Celtics yeah with Ray had, Allen what, Paul Pier- with Paul yeah, Pierce Ray Allen, yeah Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Garnett right and it's just like well yeah dude you had you had a mega team like you couldn't not lose and here we are again where you have almost another mega team kind of and yet you're about to piss away you're going to be on the wrong side of NBA history to a team who doesn't even have like Fred Van Fleet hasn't been playing what are you doing man the, the, what, what do they have they have Pascal Siakam, who is a good, not great player. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to lose to that team? They better win tonight. That's all I'm going to tell them. I, I, that, that's really all I have to say about tonight's performance. But I will say from a 3-0-03 standpoint, I've seen it before. I've seen yep. it. I've seen it three times. We've seen it three times in our lifetime, Cameron. Mm-hmm. We saw Red Sox-Yankees 2004 when the Red Sox yep. came all the way down, back down 3-0. God bless 2010, them. the best one of all. The Flyers coming all the way back down 3-0 to yep. Boston, winning that series. Yep. And then the one that's not talked about, Los mm-hmm. Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks. That was I was thinking about this actually like right before I got on. That was 2014. It was. It was 2014. Right. And guess Mike what the Richards. Kings went on to do? Yeah. Win the freaking cup. Yeah. I was I was actually thinking about that the entire because I it led to that and that was a great series the the Rangers uh, Kings that was a great series I love that series the goaltending battle was outstanding anyway we're done with hockey though um, yeah no dude like F- Philadelphia knows like it can happen man Doc you may not think it can happen but it can happen and no. we've seen it and guess we've what seen it happened and you know what here's the thing Doc can deflect 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 all he wants what are you gonna do once you've lost the series how are you gonna deflect them there's no deflecting. Mm-hmm. At the, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised if if they end up losing this series. Doc's on the podium and he says, "This is my final press conference ever as a Sixers head coach." <laughs> I, I would it, so not put that past him because we he's all know it will be. Guy. We all know it will be right. Like it should be. And like, dude, yeah. the other thing too is what's really, really kind of a slap in the face to a lot of Sixers fans is when Brett Brown was first fired. 
a lot of people in this city were clamoring for Nick Nurse. And right now, he's showing exactly why. Well, I'll tell you this. I I was very excited when they hired Doc. I was a big Doc guy. I was a, I, I still, in many ways, Cameron, I'm not over what happened to that team last year because I was so in love with that Sixers team last year. I thought that was yeah. by far and away the best team in basketball, and they, uh, they, they blew it. But this team, losing this series wouldn't, wouldn't devastate me, but it would be the most frustrating Philly sports loss I've seen. You'd have to go all the way back to, oh my God, I can't, probably Eagles Cowboys 2009 is a, mm. only the, the only more frustrating loss I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it ranks up there, Phillies Giants 2010, Phillies Cardinals 2011. This one though, oh man, this one would be the most frustrating of all time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of genuinely concerned for the city <laughs> if this happens. Because I would say, like, Eagles are number one, obviously, right? And then I would say, in terms of numbers of fans, it would be between the Phillies and the Sixers as number I would agree. two. And I, and I and think like, it depends on which team is good. You know, when the Phillies are really yeah. good, they're like, everyone's always in on the Phillies. Yeah. The Sixers, though, basketball is iconic in Philadelphia. You yeah. know, some of the best basketball players in the world come from Philadelphia, as it is. Uh, this would be... I would be genuinely afraid for this city, for this the <laughs> mental well-being. Like, dude. For the mental well-being of this city, things better change tonight. They better just win this game, go on to round two, and whatever happens with Miami happens with Miami. Yeah, and that's the other thing I'm not I'm not looking forward to either because that team just seems to be on fire right now, the Miami Heat. Well, they took care of a, certainly a lesser talent in uh, Atlanta. I, I'll say this. I'll save this for when, if we if we even do get to play Miami. I, I'm not going to worry about Miami until we get, take care of Toronto. Yeah, yeah but right. this team has the talent to do so much. And what I don't need to hear is Joel Embiid talking about how he needs James Harden to do more. I know that James Harden needs to do more. I, I I'm not saying that he doesn't. What I'm saying though is Joel, you're hurt again, again. You're hurt, and you're playing like garbage. Don't talk to me about James Harden right now. Focus on yourself. James Harden will take care of James Harden. Yeah, I, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm not really too worried about him. Beat like he plays hard as shit, and like I, it just frustrates me. It's, it's like, dude, he's gonna turn into another Giroux, right? Like, it, it's just gonna be another guy who's a world class talent who is under underappreciated, right? Because we're already talking about him not winning the MVP this year, which is ridiculous. Um, and yeah, it's just gonna be another. Another guy who's massively talented, who was never able to put it together because they can never get the right pieces to go around him, whether it be coaching or players or whatever. Um, here's what I'm going to say. I think from – you talk about Claude Giroux. Like, he had two MVP caliber seasons. He had 2012, he had 2018. Those are the two seasons where he could have reasonably won MVP. Joel Embiid's had it in back-to-back seasons. Does he have more in him? Maybe. I hope so. I think he does. But it is hard to win a championship. It's especially hard to win a championship when the coaching clearly is not there and this team does not have the coaching. We'll see tonight. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not I'm not holding my breath on this team right yeah. now. And what worries me is uh, his size and his play style, right? Because he plays very explosively and he's a big dude and that's just not – it's not no, sustainable it's not for a long period of time. Yeah, and yeah it's not so, going to last. Yeah, clock's second for him and – it is what it is. 
So moving away from the Sixers, now we have one more thing to talk about, Cameron. It's the uh, it's the exciting part of the night. The NFL draft is happening tonight. As you already mentioned, the Miami Dolphins do not have any first-round picks. The nope. Eagles have two. There's yep. been a lot of talk. Who's going to be the first overall pick? Who's going to be you know who the Eagles might be trading up for? I don't. I'm not going to go through names. I'm not going to go through draft names because I I always I hate mock drafts. Hate them with a passion. Yeah. I think they're the dumbest things in the world. No, I, mean, I, I agree. I mean, I don't hate them because it's like, for me as a guy who's like not super paying attention to college football, it kind of at least gives me some names to recognize here and there on a few of them. But it's like certain people, it's just like, dude, I don't need 15 mock drafts in the span of a couple weeks. I don't need your mock draft right after the effing draft also. Those annoy the shit out. Oh, the early 2023 mock drafts? Yeah, it's just like the first day after the the seventh round. And they're just like, here's who we're going to use. It's just like, dude, shut up. What Shut I don't up. need to know is about, you know, like, oh, tell me more about, like, Marcel Stenson from, you know, you know SMU undergrad Juco. Like, you know, wh- <laughs> what's he like? I'm just like, I don't care. If he didn't play in the SEC, if he didn't play in the Big Ten, I don't care. Like, that's yeah. just what it comes down to. Look at, let's take a look at the Eagles' best draft picks over the last number of years. Uh, Devontae Smith, SEC. Miles yep. Sanders, Big Ten. Let's see, Avante Maddox, he played in the ACC with Pitt. Like, you're not going to find someone in, like, the little no-one-cares-about-you conference in, a, in, in, in Division One. often, often, I shouldn't say, I should make sure that's a qualifier, often, that's going to, like, be a total franchise changer. Yeah, you get the occasional guys like Antonio Brown from Central Michigan. You get the occasional guy like Tony Romo from Eastern Illinois. I get that. But I'm not like I'm not that invested in college football where I'm gonna know everything about every player. So like these guys, you know, some dreams are gonna be made tonight. A lot of these guys are not even showing up to the draft, which I don't know. I think it's I think it's kinda lame. Like you should probably go to the draft if you think you're gonna be a yeah, first round pick. Why is that? I guess no one wants to be put in the green room. Yeah, that's the whole I feel like that's the whole point. Like, I, I think it's stupid too. I mean, you, yeah. people want to say you COVID. walk on stage, you know, you, you chest pump Roger Goodell and all that yeah. shit. It's the whole thing. You put on the hat. You put on the hat. Yeah, like what are they going to do? Like do, do like right. ha, do like their agents just have like thirty two hats lined up they do. somewhere? In they the do. House? I don't know if you remember in twenty twenty when they had the fully remote pot. Um, yeah, the fully remote draft. They just had like a handful of hats just in case whoever ever picked them or whatever. It's just kind of cool, funny. Guess, like imagine. But, Imagine you're like the 30 sec, like, you know, you think you're going to be a first round pick and your agent has like all 32 hats lined up and then slowly he just takes one and one off the board. It's pick 32 and like the freaking Chiefs are the only ones like, oh boy, uh, all right, cool. I guess I'm going up. They pick someone else. All right, cool. There's no more hats. I guess I'm waiting until tomorrow. Imagine that conversation, right? Of just all just your agent refilling his car with all of the hats and just being like, ah, oh, I mean, you know, hey, hey, you know, plenty of great players have been drafted the second round. You know, you'd be all right. Like, just like, dude, that's rough, man. I mean, you know, you're still getting drafted in the NFL. Like, yeah, you know, it you is know, what it is. Most of these kids are still going to be happy about that. But you do have the occasional player, you know, like Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago, as he's falling, getting pissed off. It oh, that was. I'll tell you what, my favorite one of all time, dude, is is Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn's was fun for me. It's funny because it's like we all knew. We all knew. It's like, dude, you're the classic great college quarterback who disappears when oh, you yeah. go to the NFL. We all know this. So seeing him getting upset, it was just like, dude, well, come on. Come and, on. And, <laughs> and, and like his girlfriend is like on his shoulder to start the night. 
And then by the end of the night, she's like almost like passing out her number to everyone that walks by. Oh, dude. That was, uh, man, that was tough. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, listen, like, you know, it, it it is kind of, I feel for these kids, you know, we were once in college and the biggest pressure that I had in college was simply making sure that, I don't know, my final, my finals got turned in on time. For these kids, you know, you're, you're talking the from first to second round, you're talking about a difference of about a couple million dollars in signing bonuses and, and, and yeah. contracts and all that. But more than anything, it's an emotional night. These kids have gone through the combine. They've gone through all these, you know, press conferences. They met with teams. Teams took them out to dinner. Like, you know, a guy, Jamison Williams, you know, could very well be an Eagle by the end of the night. He's been yeah. wined and dined by the Eagles. And if he's fallen a little bit and then the Eagles pass over him, you know, how do you think that's going to make him feel and everything like that? So – yeah. It's it's an emotional day for these kids. I'm sure that you're going to see some crying. I'm sure you're going to see you know some great moments like we did over the last few years, like when Bill Belichick set up his dog at at, <laughs> at his desk, which I loved. My brother Grant thought it was stupid. He goes, "Yeah, this guy who never wants to deal with the media then does something to be a media darling." I'm like, "It's a dog, dude. It's it's a dog. Like who cares?" I think yeah, I think he was doing it as the opposite of just being like, "Don't look at me because I don't want you to look at me." Here's my dog. <laughs> like just go away. That's that's how I took it. It remains to be one Bill of the Belichick funniest things seems. I've ever seen. I just remember looking like, is that, yeah. that a dog sitting at the? Yeah. <laughs> is he making the picks? Yeah, dude, it was funny. Yeah, the, like, but no, like you're right. These kids are, I mean, for a lot of them, right? Like you you were saying, like, oh, they did a lot of work with the combine, all this stuff. It's also the a lot of work of their entire lives, right? Like, I remember listening to I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall and Chad Johnson, which. You gotta listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet. Have any episode? It's outstanding. The the insight that they have and they give. And Brandon Marshall go went into detail about how in college and freshman year he would be waking up at five a.m. to go doing these morning workouts, and how he'd be waking up and anybody waking up at five a.m. just thinks like this sucks. This is miserable. I want to go back to sleep. Whatever. But then he said he would think about his mom and his sister, and he was thinking about how he's the only way that he's going to be able to get them out of the neighborhood that they're in that he doesn't want them to be in. And that's what inspired him to get up every day for college and to work out and to get ready. So all of that type, like there's players like that, right, that are going in, that are being drafted tonight, who their entire lives they've worked to try to just give a better life to their family. Yeah. And right, this is the night where you're being introduced to it. And like you said too, right, like you're being wined and dined by these teams. They say that you won you and then all of a sudden they pass up on you. Like a lot of people talk about the transition of speed when you get to the like when you go from college to the NFL. But it's also the transition of the business, right? Like all of a sudden it's not just you playing football anymore. It's all this other stuff. It's the, it's the money involved with it. It's your character, it's how you seem, it's it's how marketable as a person you are and all that type of stuff. And all this these kids lives are changing drastically tonight and that's what makes it exciting. It is exciting and it's exciting for them and you I, I like how you kind of say that because after tonight the 32 players that are picked in this draft their lives will never be the same. It will Dude, think about the percentage of players that even throughout of all percentage of all football players in high school, college, the amount that go from high school to college is marginal. And then the ones that go from college to the NFL, I mean it's like it's a even fraction less. of a percent. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And so tonight, hopefully listen. All I'm asking is for Howie not to embarrass us tonight. I'm asking yeah. for Eagles Nation to be represented well. Give us some good players. You, If Jamison Williams there, take him. Just take him. I don't care. If yeah. if Jordan Davis is there, the, the, the big def- defensive tackle from um, Georgia, take him. I don't care. Just don't 
screw this up. Make us proud. Make us believe in the season. Because right now, if you ask me on a scale of 1 to 10 how conf- how excited I am about the Eagles season as the roster is con- currently constructed, I'd tell you five. That's it. That's all I can give you. Because this team's not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Make me believe that we're building the foundation to the next team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. That's all I'm asking for. And if you're a Miami yeah. Dolphins fan, all you're asking for is, Tyreek, I hope you keep making one-handed catches in Miami. Yeah, he's, he's uploading those videos, right? That's kind of cool, I guess. But, like, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, I don't care about your off-season video, dude. Like, And that's nothing against Tyreek Hill. It's just like, dude, I don't care about anybody's off-season video. Oh, yeah, video. because, you know, I watch, I watch about 30,000 of them from Ben Simmons believing that this would be the year that he changes. That's what I was just going to say, dude. Ben Simmons scarred me. So, like, every time I see an off-season video, it's just like, dude, it doesn't mean anything to me. Make just a shot. foul shot, and then I'll care. Yeah, and then I'll get – right, and then I'll care. But, yeah, dude, I, I, I'm I, excited for the Eagles. I, I do think that they are going to trade. Um, they're going to trade up. And I do think it'll be a good trade. Because Howie, one of the things he's good at, he's good at wheeling and dealing. He is. He can make a good trade happen. Last two, yeah. last two seasons, he's made some damn good trades happen for himself to help build the Eagles and – and to add to their draft picks and be able to start this kind of rebuild thing, which I think was the right right move. Um, and yeah, I mean, dude, you got a couple teams that have like two first round pick or two top ten picks, right? Like the Jets, the Giants, um, the Giants, right? Like, so there is definitely an opportunity for one of these teams to try to shop one of those picks for some, you know, some extra capital, some extra, you know, extra second round picks, extra third round picks. It absolutely could happen, and I, I see it happening, knowing Howie. Now, the big I think the biggest storyline going into this draft, if we're just talking about strictly NFL players, will Debo Samuel be traded tonight? Which is definitely, like, you just would have never thought that the Niners would even be considering this type of move because he's such a good player. You know why. We know why this is happening. Christian Kirk and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I blame the Jaguars. Four they years, $80 million dollars for Christian Kirk, who is not an $80 million wide receiver. No, they completely destroyed the wide receiver market. Because now every actual $80 million deserving receiver is just like, hold on, what? Where is my money? Christian Kirk? Really? Do you think, do you think NFL wide receivers are going to have like oil paintings of Christian Kirk? Like dropping a ball in Jacksonville and like, thank you, you you helped, you gave us quarterback money, <laughs> dude. Like really though, like I'm honestly, if you're Debo Samuel and you're walking into a meeting where you're discussing your contract and you're like, listen, I want a hundred million, and they're like, that's ridiculous. Like, is it? Was Christian, Christian Kirk, Kirk ridiculous? Right. And all these teams are like, yeah, all right. In our defense, the Jaguars are fucking idiots, <laughs> dude. Like, leave it to the Jaguars, right, to do this type of shit. It's it, they're they're a dumpster fire. They're a dumpster fire. I feel so bad for Trevor Lawrence. I feel I'm, bad. I'm for- happy for Jalen Ramsey. I'm happy for Yannick Ngakwe. I'm happy for Leonard Fournette for getting out of that nightmare of an organization. I feel bad it's for Doug Peterson. Yeah, me too, man. He's going to try to make it work, but uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, with that said, you know, kind of a not, not like a short episode, but definitely you know an abbreviated one by our standards, um, Cameron. Before we go, uh, one thing I just want to quickly ask you: uh, Are you uh, are you as excited as I am for the end, the final merciful end of this damn flyer season? I'm just excited to watch hockey. That's one good, and two, just genuinely entertaining. Yeah, right. Like with the playoff, the playoffs. Playoffs of any sport is great. Playoff hockey is the shit. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows this. People that don't watch hockey at all will tell you, playoff hockey is the shit. Like, I've met so many people who are like, oh, I don't watch hockey, but I do watch the playoffs. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you, man, because it's it's awesome. 
Overtime um, playoff hockey is one of the uh, greatest things in sports history. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. Just like for example, like when it, when my one of my favorite examples is 2014, the LA Kings winning in game 6, they winning the Stanley Cup, where it was just back and forth, back and forth, and seeing those rushes go back and forth where like one team has like four shots in the zone and then all of a sudden it's a two-on-one the other way. Oh, oh god, dude, it's amazing. My, my favorite recent overtime playoff goal that isn't to do with the Flyers because my favorite one is is honestly it's it's Ivan Provorov's bar down shot in game six against the Islanders. <laughs> my favorite one without a doubt is when Barkley Goudreau puts it past Marc-Andre Fleury in game seven with the Sharks and the Knights because I, I just couldn't believe they capped off that comeback in game seven but uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be so refreshing to watch really good hockey. You're not even thinking about the Flyers. Just watch the games. Don't tweet about how I wish this was the Flyers. Just don't. Don't tweet about it. Watch the You'll games. You'll see it. Enjoy it. Every every player that they didn't draft, every player that they didn't trade like, Don't the do this to yourselves, for. guys. Don't tell me about mm-hmm. how they could have drafted Kel McCarr. I know they could have drafted Kel McCarr. Yeah. Don't tell me about him. Yeah, we got. Like, we already know, dude. We, are, we already know. Let's just move on. It, they move suck. On. They fucked up. Move on. There's nothing we can do about it now. God damn it. It sucks. It is what it is. We keep talking about it, complaining about it. It's not going to make anything better. Let's go. All right, come on. Right. For the Fly Guys Podcast, my name is Justin Goodhart. This has been Cameron Klein. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fly Guys Podcast, at Cameron Klein 15, at Goodhart Justin. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever else your streaming services may be. Be happy, be healthy, wear your masks if you have to, which you don't really have to anymore. Get vaccinated if you can, which I highly recommend. And as always, let's go Flyers and fly. Eagles fly and Sixers. Please welcome God. Just finish this off.